I wanted to finish off our little program um, this weekend with just again a little bit of the Vichara Sadhana, which is self-inquiry or understanding a little bit again the workings of the mind and understanding what the tools of yoga, what their goal is, how they work and, and <clears throat> what they are, are doing, you know, when we're practicing. So I've written this quote um, up on the board and it's one that I use a lot because it's, for me it very explains very clearly what the tools of yoga are doing and what the purpose of yoga is, which is simply freedom of suffering. Yeah? So all of these things that we're doing in relationship to the meditation, the pranayama, the asana, it's all having the same goal of transforming our mind, even though we're getting extra benefit of having a healthy body, um, all these physiological benefits as well. But the fundamental aim is for freedom. Yeah? And when I say freedom, you know, what do I mean by that? And it's, freedom means that we've, we've transcended the little mind. Yeah? We've transcended, transcended the manas mind. We've transcended the aspect of the mind that causes us suffering. And that suffering may simply be stress, you know, the anxiety, you know, depression, um, you know, sadness, all the array of human emotions that call, cause suffering, mental suffering, suffering that's coming from states of mind. Yeah? So this quote from Swami Vivekananda saying yoga is concerned with freedom from suffering. Yeah? So this much we know. The first step is to engage in introspection, self-introspection. So this is vichara sadhana, this is self-inquiry. We turn our gaze inward. And so this is the first step, yeah, that we engage in this looking. We begin to look a little deeper. We begin to look inside. And it's thereby understanding, by this looking inward, we thereby begin to understand the inner obstacles, you know, our particular obstacles that can be overcome. Yeah? So we begin to understand ourselves. This is, you would have heard in, in yoga, we talk about self-realization, to self-realize. Yeah? This is, this is self-understanding. And you, you need to self-understand before this experience of freedom comes about. It's like self-understanding or self-realization, God-realization. I'm using the word God. You don't need to use the word God, but you can use the word um, coming to that state where you are at peace, that you're not afflicted anymore with this constant suffering. Yeah? So the purpose of the yogic tools is to weaken the hindrances which obstruct the freedom of the soul. So its purpose is to weaken them. Because 
for most of us, and you know, we could say like at the moment, before we maybe start treading this path, we have states of mind that have a lot of power. They have a lot of power over us because they are, you know, at different times, they, they take over and they cause this suffering that we talk about. And we all have different uh, stories. Yeah, we all have different stories. We all have different experiences. We've been born in different countries, in different cultures. Um, we've had different things, you know, happen to us when we were children or when we were adults. And it's made us to who we are today. But it's also some of these experiences or some of this conditioning have also has, has caused suffering and has caused certain beliefs to begin to, to operate and has produced certain states of mind that do not serve us. Yeah? They're like more dysfunctional. They, they cause suffering if they get triggered. Yeah, and this might happen on a day-to-day -day basis or a week-to-week -week basis. So how the yogic tools work, and they all work in this way, is it's all about our focus, our attention, our concentration coming in. Yeah? Normally, the mind, you know, busy, busy, it's, it's like this action, it's like it's going out, yeah, to many things. So with these yogic practices, we want to bring it in. It's like Prachahara, we're bringing it in through focus. Even with our asana practice, at first, of course, we're working with the positions, you know, because, you know, slowly, slowly we're starting the practice. We're a beginner. We need to learn where to put the body and what position it needs to go in. So there's a little bit of thought activity in that way. Or if we're working with an injury or more therapeutically, we're doing it very slowly. But as we get a little bit more experienced in our program, our yoga asana program, then we really begin to bring our attention while we're doing the movement to our breath. Yeah? So we're focusing on the breath as we're doing the movement or as we're in the posture, staying in the pose, simply keeping our focus with the breath. We're not doing the movement and thinking about what we're having for lunch or thinking about what we should be doing working. You can do that, <laughs> and I'm sure that does happen at times, but again, you don't get the benefit and the impact of what this practice can do. We keep our focus with the one point. We keep our focus on the breath, and again, slowly, slowly, we're retraining and re-educating the mind to stay with one thing. So it keeps quiet. Yeah. We give it a rest. We give it a break from the constant blah, 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 the constant chatter, and we stay with the breath. 
Okay, so this is if we're doing this even in our asana practice. Pranayama, the same. It's a, a little bit more uh, of a stillness practice. So we're normally sitting still or even lying still. If we're doing it lying down, we have the the breath absolutely as our focus concentration. We're doing a particular uh, controlled breathing technique. So we keep our focus with the breathing technique. We keep our focus with the breath. We stay with the breath. Sometimes you know, might get distracted. You come back to the breath. The mind is very tricky. <laughs> the mind is used to movement. It loves to move. loves to go in all directions. It's, it's not used to so much to be still or to be focused just on one thing. So we have to, it's like we're re-educating it to train. So the same with the pranayama. And of course the meditation or even the mantra. The mantra, you're focused on the mantra. You've, whether you're singing or re repeating a mantra. In the, so in the meditation you might be focusing on the breath, you might be focusing on the mantra. It's the same objective. Stay with the focus. If the mind wanders, you just gently bring yourself back. Stay focused for a little bit longer than the mind might wander and you gently bring yourself back. It doesn't matter how many times you do that. It's a, it's a compounding uh, effect and it's a, it's a practice that if you give yourself time to do, every day, even if it's just a little bit, things begin to change, yeah? You really begin to transform the mind and consciousness really begins to expand when you're able to be one-pointed and undivided with our attention. So this is the objective with the tools. The more that we do this and we're able to be one-pointed and create more stillness. So what happens is the busy mind or the mind that's always chattering, it begins to lose its, its power, so to speak. It's like it's not as powerful anymore because you've, you're beginning to be able to keep yourself into these moments of concentration and stillness so the mind starts to slow down a little bit, yeah? Slowly, slowly. So what starts to happen, and I try and explain this, that we were talking about we're all energy beings and we have this uh, flow of this uh, prana that moves through us and through these techniques we're also unblocking these nadis, unblocking these energy channels and allowing this free, free flow to happen. And we have many of these techniques that do it. But the most important technique and again comes back to your ability to focus and rest in this stillness. And I think I explained yesterday that, you know, I had that example of 
having like a cap on. You know, the mind is full and you've got a lid on it. So nothing can enter because it's already full. So slowly, slowly, as the mind empties through your ability to stay with one thing, no distractions, then it becomes more empty. When it becomes more empty, then more of this energy, Mahaprana, is able to flow freely yeah, through our body-mind. When that happens, it's going to places that maybe this energy hasn't been before. Yeah? It's opening up areas that haven't opened before. Yeah? So your consciousness begins to expand. The mind, uh, uh, talking about this aspect of the mind, the higher consciousness, yeah? aspect of the mind, the, the, the buddhi, it begins to expand. And this is where this, aha, your awareness heightens. Your, the, the wisdom or the truth, so to speak, through this expansion of consciousness, the things are just understood, yeah? It's a little bit like, you know, the truth is revealed, wisdom gets revealed, yeah? You, you begin to understand because this first step, yeah, in introspection, it's about self-understanding, it's self-introspection. It's the first step to self-realize, yeah? By turning your gaze inward, by giving yourself the time to be able to work with some of these practices, and things begin to reveal themselves. You start to self-realize. You begin to understand self. Yeah? So this is what the objective is here. And this thing of freedom from suffering, because we're beginning to understand yourself, you understand how you operate. You begin to understand what's going on with your own uh, particular afflictions. Yeah, your particular maybe states of mind that are causing you suffering. With our regular practice and our height, our awareness begins to heighten. So what happens is, with whether we're meditating or doing other sort of yogic techniques, we have this one focus. So what begins to happen is you, awareness comes when you find that the mind has got distracted or busy again. It's like, oh, aha, uh -huh. I'm, you know, got distracted again, I'm thinking about such and such, I'm thinking. So then with that awareness, you're able to bring yourself back again to your focus point. You may be focused again for a short period of time, and then it's like, aha, uh -huh, you realize that you've started thinking again about, you know, something else, or it could even be a worry or a stress or something you've started thinking about, and you realize it, and you go, ah, okay, refocus back to my focus. This is the practice that begins to really make the change. It's simply that, being able to bring yourself back to that one point, 
with this same awareness, like in our daily life, we might find ourselves in a situation where we are maybe get afflicted by one of these states of mind. Maybe we're really upset about something. Maybe we're really angry about something and really frustrated and we find ourselves really disturbed. And, and, this, and then at some point, we're like, uh-huh. <laughs> we become, we wait, wait a minute. And we become what we call the witness or, this is, or awareness. Yeah? And again, this has helped through our yogic practices, it it's, brings this awareness into play. So in our daily life, this is happening, and then all of a sudden, we bring our awareness to it, like as if we're observing ourselves. And it's like we're standing back and we sort of go, oh, aha, uh -huh. oh, wow, you know, I'm really disturbed at the moment. I'm feeling a lot of, you know, this. It's like you stepped back for a moment. And this is the first step, because it's at that moment of awareness where you have become the witness and you've observed your state of being, that you can make a mindful choice of where you go from there. That you either stay involved in that particular story or you shift your attention somewhere else. Yeah? You make a mindful choice. When you don't have awareness, that awareness, and you are caught up in some affliction of the mind, you are just absorbed in that. You are completely involved in your own story, and there's no no way out. You're just in it. It's like being in, I have an analogy for it, this, it's like being in a room with no windows or no, no doors. You're completely in a box with no escape, with no windows or doors because you are completely involved in your own story. You're completely involved in that particular emotional, mental state. Yeah? And even finding a word that, it's a strong word, but, you know, we sometimes hear of the word, oh, you know, ignorance, you know, or we're ignorant. But this is also where we can bring this word into play because it's, in a lot of these situations, it's often we're in an ignorant state because we cannot see outside of this. You know, we only can see in our own little bubble and state of mind, yeah? But as we get more awake, as an awake person, a little bit more aware, you know, we start to be more conscious human being. We, we see it. We become the witness. We observe that we're being afflicted at this time. And then we can make a conscious choice. And this is very much a conscious choice and it's very much our responsibility. You know, no one else is going to do it for you to get you out of that. And sometimes it takes a certain courage for you to be able to see it and have the awareness and then make a choice of 
maybe uh, acting, making a conscious choice, maybe to acting somewhat differently or to, uh, instead of reacting, it's like, you know, you're acting more mindfully. Maybe you're turning your attention uh, somewhere else completely that you don't need to continue that story. It's something that you've been continuing for too long already. You know, it's like end a story. It's time we ended all our stories and we begin to live and be present now on a daily basis. Yeah. So, so this is the, the yoga that we begin to practice on a daily basis. We, when we're on our mats or we have our, our scheduled time for our sadhana practice, I always say that um, this is our practice. You know how people say, oh, I'm practicing, or I'm practicing yoga, like it's the terminology. And when you think about that word, it's like, oh, I'm practicing. <laughs> you know, what are you practicing for? You know, usually if you're practicing, you're practicing for something, yeah? So, in my understanding, you know, you're practicing when you're, you're doing your practice so you can live yoga, so you can be yoga, you can embody yoga. And yoga, you know, in the simplistic understanding of the meaning of the word is simply union of body-mind. It's, it's a state of oneness, yeah? It's a state of, it's, it's, it's a state of, it's like clarity, it's a state of awareness, meaning that, you know, it's not all over the place, it's not disjointed, it's not distracted, but it is whole, it is one. Yeah, so we're practicing so we can, we can be grounded and resonate in this state so we can go about our daily life and do our daily things, but we're much more awake, we're present, because whatever we're doing, we're right there 100%. Well, one, you know, if I'm, if I'm simply speaking, if I'm talking to you, I'm 100% with you, yeah? I'm not thinking about something else but talking to Amanda, yeah? I'm not doing something else and thinking to Amanda. I'm 100% with you, yeah? So this is just an example because we, the mind is sophisticated. We think we can be chatting to someone but thinking <laughs> at the same time. You know, it's like it's quite amazing that how sophisticated, or you could call it sophisticated, the mind is. It's very tricky. It's like being present, you would think, is simple, but it's not so simple sometimes. But it's a very different quality. When you are, you know, connecting with someone and they are 100%, like they're present with you, you really feel it. It's like, ah, it's, it's, it's something else. And, and then there's the other um, extreme where you're speaking to someone if they are really a distracted, maybe individual. And when you're speaking to them and you really know that they're really not <laughs> really present with you or really listening, it's sort of, it's really unsatisfying, you know, um, having, spending that uh, time with that person because you know that they're not really there, so to speak. So this is the sort of thing that begins to change. But we, 
It's about being able to, once this awareness comes, it's about being mindful and making the change. And it, it does take some courage because often when we find ourselves, you know, in these states of mind, normally these particular states of mind, it's not just, it didn't just happen yesterday, this particular feeling. Often it's something that we've experienced many, many times, yeah? It's like it's the same story. It might seem like it's a different story, but it, it's underlying same story that brings about the same discomfort or suffering, yeah? So, but these old stories or states of mind, because we've associated with them for so long, because we've identified with them for so long, that we also, it's like a, we, it's like a belief, we also feel that that's who we are. You know, we feel that it's a part of us, of who we are, but we also have a somewhat, it's like an addiction to it, an unconscious addiction. It's not like conscious thinking, oh, I'm addicted to my states of mind, but we're so used to it that sometimes the thought of letting it go <laughs> is very difficult. And as I said, this is not conscious, but when it comes, because we get given opportunities, yeah, well, again, when we begin to evolve, and this awareness, and then so, you know, we start to see what arises within us, and then we begin to acknowledge, oh, wow, ah, there's that same feeling coming up again, or there's that same thought, I'm starting to feel anxious again, or I'm starting to feel that sad, or I'm starting to feel upset about that again. We have the opportunity to shift, yeah, and not get involved in that story. When you are able to do that, you give a message to your subconscious that this state of mind that does not have the power, yeah? That this is talking about here, this weakening these hindrances and these obstacles. So every time you're able to turn that focus away or bring the focus back to something else, yeah? These states of mind become weaker. They may not disappear completely. It's sort of like, you know, we think, oh, one day and they're gone. Disappeared and I'm free and it's peaceful, you know. It's not often is it like that. It's like that, you know, we have them there, it's a propensity and they might start to show their face, you know, come up like this, but with our awareness, we're like, aha, this is coming up again. And at that point again, you have the opportunity to shift, yeah, to end the story, to weaken that particular state of mind, to weaken that obstacle that hinders, so they get smaller. So maybe what begins to happen is 
that they start to, you start to see less of them. And it, it brings me to um, uh, a little example of that. Uh, there's a very a beautiful movie, and it's at the end of the movie. And it's at the, uh, I don't know if any of you have watched it. It's an old movie. With, um, is it Your Beautiful Mind or My Beautiful Mind? With um, that, Russell yeah, Russell Crowe. Have you remember that movie? At the end of the movie, so he was very afflicted with his mind. With he had voices in his head and all sorts of things, yeah, going on that he was, you know, being medicated for and things. And he was very intelligent guy and he really quite amazing. But he was really afflicted um, with this mental issue. And at the end of the movie, you know, he, was, he got control over this thing and he was able to really um, function much better and overcome it. And I can't remember who it was in the movie, but they said, oh, they said, oh, wow, you know, you're doing so well. And, you know, what's happening? You know, are you still hearing those voices anymore or are they completely gone or what? And he said, and he said, yes, he said, I don't know if that was the exact words, I can't remember the lines of the movie, but it was something like, yeah, they're still there and I still hear them sometimes, but he said, but I just don't take any notice <laughs> of them. So it's that same thing, it's like they come up, but he stopped getting involved in the dialogue. He stopped getting involved in the story, yeah? So it's as simple as, it's this thing as where chitta goes, prana flows. Yeah? So if I have my attention here, this is where my energy is flowing. This is where the prana is going. If my consciousness is going this way, where chitta flows, prana goes, where prana goes, chitta flows. Either way you want to look at it. But it's, we can, I'm focusing here, like I'm involved in this story here. Or, I simply turn and I look in this direction. Yeah? So, it's as simple as that. We all have our stories. And, and we have to find the courage to go, enough, finish, you know, end of story. When is it that we're going to end our stories? So we can somehow, you know, find that little bit more peace. It's, we have to find that courage to... End of story, so we can move forward. And as human beings, the only way to evolve and change as a human being, you know, is to change. You know, and the only way to change is, is we have to end some of these stories. We have to, because these stories that I'm talking about, as I said, they're normally they're not new. They're they're old. They're from the past. You know, we all, we all hear about be here now, um, be in the present, you know. And as much as that even sometimes might sound cliche, but it's not. It's like, you know, this is the, the practice of yoga. It's about being present. From a state of presence, we can move forward. But if we're being brought down by our states of mind all the time, it keeps us. It keeps us imprisoned. It keeps us in the past. It keeps us 
not growing and evolving as a human being. Yeah? So it keeps us stuck. Something that, that sort of works for me uh, a little bit, you know, and you can find things for yourself. Um, I use the terminology for myself and it's this thing of, you know, how much do you really want to be free? Yeah. And, you know, particularly when it comes to yoga and spirituality, you know, that we find ourselves practicing um, different things. And, you know, and people it's like, oh, yes, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very spiritual. I do yoga and I do these things. And yes, okay, I admit, it's, it's not like it's, it's, it's an easy, easy path, the path of change, you know. But the, my conscious choice for choosing, you know, to do this, these processes and this practice, because I've personally experienced the benefit, I've personally experienced the effect of um, consciousness expanding, I've really... You know, and as much as, you know, we're always fluctuating and, you know, but I've definitely experienced myself of, of, wow, the effect of what these practices can do. And my passion has, has always been freedom, you know, to be really free and to be at a point where, um, you know, you can really be at peace. But at times, you know, we find ourselves in our daily life and then, okay, you know, I, maybe I get triggered by something or I start getting worried or stressed or upset about something and then I realize what's happening. So it's like, again, I become the witness and I go, uh-huh, wow, this is really happening. I can, you know, I'm feeling tense, I'm feeling it in my body. At that moment... I have a choice, my responsibility to go, okay, you know, end of storm. Am I going to let this, you know, take over and to get to me? Or I'm just going to end the story, you know? And then so the question that I sometimes also ask me is, hey, come on, Louisa, how much do you really want to be free? Easy to talk about it. Very easy to talk about it. Here's your opportunity. Because, you know, we have many opportunities every day. It's like we get tested, you know, that we can make more conscious choices. You know, often we can make a more conscious choice. So, so this is what I ask myself sometimes. And you can ask yourself or you can ask, you know, your students, you know, how much do you really want um, this peace of mind? Because we definitely get opportunities all the time to make a change, to make a shift, to end, you know, some old stories so we can, you know, move forward again. And, you know, and I, and I say that because some of these things that we sometimes, oh, we feel so strong about, or we might feel really righteous about something, and, you know, the ego is really strong, and I'm not standing down, you know, from this position. And, and so we're sort of addicted to, to that. So it's sort of a bit like, I don't care how much I'm suffering, but, you know, I'm going to stay here anyway and to the last nth degree. But it's like, 
this is an, an opportunity that we can shift because when you stay involved all the time, what has the power? That has the power because you don't have the power, it has the power over you. You know, so it's like we're, we've got these chains around our neck and we're being pulled this way, pulled that way, pulled this way. Now who's in control? <laughs> you know, we're being pulled by our emotions, our mental states all the time. We don't have that mastery over it. But this is what the, these yogic practices are able to do. And as I said before, there's other modalities that can bring about the same objective. But as in, you know, yoga practitioners, I'm talking about these practices. But I, you know, I wanted to remind you as well of the, they, they have a certain seduction because we have been in these states of mind so often that they actually even though we're suffering in that if the affliction is causing some sort of stress or anxiety, even though we're suffering, but we also somehow feel comfortable there <laughs> because we're so familiar with it. It's, we think, you know, we've identified with it and it's like, oh, I don't like feeling stressed and upset like this, but <laughs> you sort of... You know, you sort of attach to it. You sort of, you know, you like it. It's like a drug, you know. And I said, this is unconscious, you know, because you say, oh, I don't like feeling like this, but you're in it. So, so this is where the, the courage comes, yeah. And also these practices that we're doing here also builds some of this mental strength to give us the strength and the courage to make that shift and to be able to, you know, to make these changes. So it helps and supports us in that way. But it is definitely what's needed, you know, to, to go okay, you know. Because sometimes the feeling, sorry, you can say something, Alex? No. Because the, the feeling that comes up with the change, and which why it makes it difficult to make these shifts is that often fear comes up. It's like it's scary sometimes for the change because it's like, well, I know this, it's very familiar to me, it's comfortable, even though I'm suffering, <laughs> but I know it and I feel comfortable there. But the other, hmm, I don't know that, it's the unknown. So it sort of scares me because it's like, what's there? Sort of like, you know, and I'm, I'm just sort of at peace, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it, it's unknown. It's like a scary feeling sometimes, you know, this is what, and again, this can be unconscious. We don't really understand or what it is that, that's stopping me, but sometimes it's this underlying fear because we know that but this is the unknown, and the unknown, it's a bit scary because I don't know it, yeah? So it's having the courage to go into this unknown territory and to feel 
you know, at ease there. And so sometimes to begin with, it's, it's allowing, it's like that um, uh, saying, it's like feeling comfortable in the uncomfortability or feeling security in the insecurity. Yeah? In our yogic sadhana practice, we get to experience moments of this emptiness, this void, this peace, this at ease. And so this prepares us because, you know, it might be in your meditation that we might be meditating for half an hour, but you may get, even if you get 30 seconds in half an hour of, you know, you drop into complete emptiness, complete peace. The mind is stopped for 30 seconds, yeah. It's just like, ah. So this is the beginning. This also starts to familiarize yourself with this peaceful state, this unknown state, this, and of course it's also the, the state that is compounding and perpetuates more awareness and more expansion of consciousness and um, more of this prana flowing and more of this sort of aliveness and building of the ojas and whatever terminology. It doesn't really matter. We don't need the description even in yogic terms. We will, you'll feel it. Yeah. So it's, working in this way and I just wanted to be able to remind you all of how these practices work and how powerful that they are in this very simplistic way of the technique but how these techniques come into our daily life yeah how we bring this practice into our daily life because this is why we're doing it. It's not doing it that we have our little moment on the mat and then you go off into your, into your world. It, it needs to be making a change in your day-to-day -day life. It needs to be uh, working. It's like, the, you know, it's the, it never stops. It's a 24-hour yeah, practice and awareness that begins to happen.